You know they want staring point, you know we straight to the point Boy Chris with assist, fast breaks like a joint splitting half Boy J with the J, we throwing heat, no gas, that's a touchdown pass You know just how we coming, so it's nothing left to say Now they hardly can guard me like Dirk fade away You know just how we coming, so it's nothing left to say Yeah, you know just how we coming, so it's nothing left to say They want staring point, you know we straight to the point They want staring point, you know we straight to the point They want staring point, you know we straight to the point They want staring point, you know we straight to the straight to the Teamy76 bringing us into episode number 158 of Straight to the Point. My name is Chris. Here with my guy J Dub. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And we have some special guests. You know when it's time to talk college football, talk to Watunga Vango. We have to bring in Kevin Borba, Sergio De La Sprella. Gentlemen, thank you for being back. Thank you for having me. I am the renowned two expert and fan. No, I'm just kidding. That's Sergio's. That's Sergio's alley. We're happy to be here. I was. I was gonna say, don't, don't, don't do that to me. I, it's, it's always a good time to spread uh, the, the two and on conspiracy uh, stuff. So very happy to be back on board. Yes, Man, thank you. listen, Chris. Before we get started, I just have to say it because Chris can't even hate on this. Everybody in this little podcast right now, NFL teams are three and zero. So it's a sight to see. We I haven't seen that in years. Listen, listen. Love to see it's, it. It's, you love to see it. It's a one. It's one thing to be three and zero, but it's another thing to to be up the upper up the upper echelon, not the fluke three and zero teams like the Giants were last. You know, the fluky three and zero teams. You know, you look around at the Eagles and the and the Dolphins and the Niners, and you can honestly make a case that each one of those teams are the best team in the league. You can. Go ahead. We're one, two, and three. Your preference is your preference, yeah, not, but you can't yeah, deny I'm not going. One, two, I'm not going to argue too right. vehemently <laughs> on the order of one, two, and three. But we know who's not among those three. But we'll get to them in a little bit. But, but gentlemen, before we start with the two of propaganda and the cowboy slander, let's talk about Borba's Buffaloes. Because I don't think anyone saw – what we what we saw over the first two weeks. Now maybe people would thought about what could happen week three in Oregon, but we're going to talk about that. But but Borba, I'll start with you. As someone who's covered this team, you know, taking a real in depth look at this team, what has stood out over this this first couple games? Yeah. So the first three work, the first three weeks, excuse me, were like a movie for Colorado um, college football was literally the talk of everyone's life. I have people in my family that don't watch college football asking me about Deion Sanders. Um, I have people in my girlfriend's family who don't all speak English asking me about Deion Sanders. Like, it's legit insane how much attention he's brought to Colorado. Um, The first three weeks, I think they benefited from opponents that weren't, I wouldn't say good, but they weren't nearly as good as Oregon. Um, I will say myself included, because I have to own up to the fact I thought they had a chance to upset Oregon. I was 1,000% underestimated Oregon's defense, did not realize they had a top 15 defense in the country. Um, it was hard to learn that from them blowing out Portland State and Hawaii, but their defense is really good. And for Colorado, their offensive line, I think us four could probably get a pass rushing in on them. Um, they've given up the second most sacks in the country, and then their defensive line is just Swiss cheese when it comes to stopping the run. Um, they're probably near the bottom and run and yards allowed in the run game. So it's it's tough when you can't win in the trenches. And that's definitely a, a, a great point, Jared. I, I want to hop in. Um, I know you want to hop in here. What did you know, Colorado losing that offensive line, defensive line battle? Because they didn't seem like they were able to kind of make any hay on defense either. Like you know, Borba mentioned losing in the trenches, winning in the trenches. 
is that what Colorado's biggest weakness is right now? Oh, yeah, absolutely. They can't tackle worth a damn. It's the, it's the worst tackling team in college football. I mean, their offense is great. Travis Hunter is doing things I didn't think was possible until he got hurt, which is, again, injuries happen. But the way he played both sides of the football at a high level, phenomenal. He might have been the only good tackler on the team. He still missed tackles. Like, tackling was just putrid. Like, it's, it's bad. And then that Oregon game really showed it because there was open field tackles they missed. Sacks that they could have capitalized just missed. Like they were making Bo Nix look really good as a scrambler, and he's he never did that his college career. He was he, he might have had a couple plays, but he was looking really well scrambling with the football, throwing on the move. Right. And that's that's just a tackling issue that again, like if you're Deion Sanders, that's something that should have been coached long and hard throughout the entire offseason. Right, and I I don't think that that they didn't practice this. I, I think it's when you have a, a team like Oregon who's one of the upper echelon programs in the country and they, they attract a lot of attention from from up t- uh, higher tier athletes you know especially in california you know the bay area even you know nationally because of the coverage that they've gotten and you know quite frankly the nike sponsorships and things like that sergio i'll, I'll put i'll put this question to you how does oregon look coming out of this week three matchup and and how have they how can they use this win to help you know motivate them and and hopefully see them in the big in the in the Pac-12 title game. They look good. Like there's there's no doubting it. I, I do also think, you know, when when you you don't need to be a, a sports person, a football person, someone who grinds the tape and stuff to look at the Oregon lines, offensive or defense, and the Colorado lines, offensive or defense, and say that is a varsity team playing a JV team, just in terms of size, right? Like. The Colorado guys on the line in the trenches on both sides of the ball just aren't big enough compared to what Oregon has. I think Bo Nix, like Jared said, was giving me a really good sample size as to what he could do as a scrambler. I do think, like what Jared said, that's more indicative of of, uh, Colorado being bad along that part of the game. But I do also think that with the receivers that Oregon has, with the coaching that Oregon has, I really like Dan Lanning. I think Dan Lanning is going to be one of the up-and-coming coaches. I feel bad for Oregon because it seems like anytime they get a good coach, he leaves for the Southeastern Conference, and it might be happening again. I just don't know when, but you know he's a guy from the South, and they bring that kind of SEC energy, that SEC blueprint up to Eugene, and I think that Oregon definitely – it's tough, right? Because the Colorado thing, and I'm the first person to admit I was wrong in terms of what they could be. I really thought that they were going to be – they're definitely ahead of schedule as to what I thought this past weekend was a comeback to reality moment for them. But I don't think that they're a bad football team. Definitely with, you know, um, Shadur Sanders at quarterback with prime as their coach with their secondary playing really well. When Travis Hunter comes back from that injury, he's going to be explosive just as what we saw in the first three weeks, all that kind of stuff. But I think Oregon is kind of looking above that and they're, Focus, I don't think, is going to be about, oh, yeah, Colorado and breaking the narrative. It's going to be how are we going to compete with what I believe to be the best offense in college football right now, the Washington Huskies? How are we going to compete with one of the best players in college football and Caleb Williams at USC? How are we going to compete with the defending Pac-12 champions, the Utah Utes, who are playing really well without their starting quarterback? So there's all of these things where the Pac-12 right now, just pound for pound, to me, is the best conference in college football. So I do believe Oregon is one of those, but... Those four teams right there that I just listed, Oregon, Washington, USC, and Utah, it's going to be a four-headed monster. It's a four-headed race, a four-team race, I should say. And I think that they have a chance to get there. But again, 
we'll have to see what happens and we'll have to see when they play USC and when they play Washington and Utah and, and maybe even Washington State is playing good football right now. So um, I think they have a chance, but you know, that's the exciting part of college football, right? This conference that's dying that will be dead after this season right. is going out with the best bang of all time. So it's really fun and exciting to watch. And I think they have a chance. And, and definitely speaking of fun and exciting to watch, Borba, I'm going to pose this question. To you talk to me about the importance of Travis Hunter. I know that we saw how Colorado looked on both sides of the ball without him. He, he's played such an integral role in that team. Talk to me a little bit about Hunter and then talk to me about someone who didn't get as much fanfare as the names we all know, the Shadors and the Shilohs and the Travis Hunters. Talk to me about someone who's definitely uh, needs a little bit more recognition and let their star be a little bit more highlighted. Yeah, so Travis Hunter, I think, is – and it's kind of weird because I don't think I've ever seen this in my lifetime. Um, he's like a true two-way player. Like we've had guys that will dabble on offense and will dabble on defense. He's legit out there every single play that's possible for him. Um, and he's dominant. Um, he's the best player on both sides of the ball because usually when guys play both ways, it's like, okay, he's a really good running back, but he's a solid linebacker or whatever it may be. Travis Hunter is legit the best receiver on the field when he's playing receiver, and he's the best corner when he's or best corner when he's on defense. And so he kind of brings this aspect of like Colorado lost two players in one by not having him. Now I don't know if he plays if they win because they lost by thirty six points, and it could have been seventy points if Oregon was feeling real rude, but. Um, maybe they maybe they lose by 20. I don't know. Like he he has the difference or the skill set to kind of change the game with one play. Um, we saw it against TCU when he made the diving interception. TCU was driving to take the lead, I believe, at that time, and that diving interception kind of regained the energy for Colorado and like regained the momentum. And you just lose that. And like you saw it with all of the defensive backs that were out there. Um, they had a guy that played safety at Florida State trying to cover Oregon's top wide receiver, which didn't go well. Um, they threw Cormani McLean, the five-star out there at the end of the game. And he's just, if you listen to what Deion Sanders says about him, he's not putting in the time. He's not putting in the effort to be on the field yet. So they just don't have someone who's ready to be like, to make up for Travis Hunter's loss. And so it's kind of tough to like put into words how big of a loss it is. It's like losing your quarterback in a sense. Um, obviously he just doesn't play quarterback, but it's like losing your best player, or most important player. Like losing LeBron, I guess, from a Cavs team in 2003 and being like, okay, but tell me about how Mo Williams is going to do. Like, Mo Williams is going to do terrible. LeBron's gone. And so that's what it feels like for Colorado now against these top teams. Um, and I think for Colorado and all the people slandering them, just to put this out there as well, I think it's okay they lost to Oregon. Um, like Sergio said, they're ahead of schedule. They were 21-point underdogs against Oregon. Um, they could still be a good team and not be one of the top teams in the Pac-12. And then in terms of your second question, was that like in terms of like Colorado or just someone – um, in college football well, I, that needs some more shine. Specifically, I was talking about Colorado, but if you have someone in mind um, yeah. on a national scale, feel free. Well, Borba, can I ask I'll, you, I'll who Colorado. is that DB, who is that defensive backer, yeah. linebacker that stayed on the team? I don't want to just go out and say it, but, like, who's the white boy on defense who was there last year? Who was there last year? Thank you. He's, I think, someone that needs some shout. Yeah, he does. He's the one of the the rare white defensive backs. Um, so shout out to him. Um, but he's legit always in the right spot at the right time. There's no way of put, like describing it. He has a couple picks on the year, and he's just always making the right plays. And he's one of the holdovers. And when they talk to him about staying, he just has a dog in him. He was like, you know what? He wanted to scare us off, and that's fine. I stayed anyway. Like he just has that like mentality that you don't expect from a white dude from I don't know where he's from, Colorado or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but I think another guy who hasn't played much yet 
and could be a game changer for Colorado is Alton McCaskill, the running back. Um, I think he has five carries up to this point because um, he was recovering from an ACL injury. But he was someone who can get their run game going because I think as of right now, they're averaging like 1.9 yards per carry as a team. And that's kind of like their whole thing is like live and die by the pass. Well, they lived and legit died by the pass on Saturday. So Alton McCaskill was All-American at Houston his freshman year. Um, was pretty much a stud, and people ask me, they're like, oh, what about the offensive line? They can't block. Well, I point to Texas when they had Bijan Robinson. I think it was his second year. Their offensive line was useless. They would rotate three or four guys off at a time, and Bijan still got his. So I think Alton McCaskill could have that effect. Can Can I just say, sure. since we're shouting things out, let's shout me out because uh, Sergio mentioned the team earlier, but the last time you guys were on the podcast, I mentioned the Huskies being my sleep, uh, Washington's being my sleeper for the best offense. I, I went back and listened, and I was like, maybe we'll talk about it today, but – I was right about Washington. I, was, I really threw it out there. I was like, maybe this is a team I just like. I don't know why I like them, but I like them. Jared, you you put up an amazing point that you did have that, but I don't think one thing you did expect was the struggling of Alabama. Now, talk to me. I did. Said that in the last part, too. I caught that as well. You regardless. Said, you said the last part, but I'm saying before when you made that Huskies proclaim. When those two were on as well, I remember I said it. I did not trust a team that didn't know what their – Start QB was gonna be late August. Didn't fact, trust. We have to fact check this because you like to you know play revisionist history. It's on my TikTok. Whatever. I got it. It's on the TikTok. Go check me out. Whatever. <laughs> if you was if you was a real uh, a real man, you you drop your TikTok right here so people can. At J Dub Hughes TikTok, it's on it. I literally fact checked myself and said, "No what, yo, I really slandered Bam, but right before the season, guess what? I was right. right None well, of those QBs matter. Well, slander him again. Go ahead, Jared. The floor is yours. It's just, oh, man. I got a lot of people telling me to put faith in Ty Simpson. Maybe. At this point, maybe. But um, because they said they liked the drive that they saw in the last game. Miller played the last two games. I'm sorry. Miller played the last game and we won. But, again, in a game versus Texas, that just was a horrible performance from any QB that you would have threw out there for Alabama. It just hasn't been good. Like, the team just doesn't look poised at all. But then, again, this is one of their worst Recruitment classes that they brought in the past five years. If you look at the transfer portal, Nick Saban got cooked. It was bad. Like, we really got cooked in this transfer portal. A lot of teams swept them under the rug, which is why he, you know, openly came out during different media and press days saying, hey, listen, transfer portal is what it is. A lot of guys doing what they got to do with the NIL. They just paying these players. Like, you know, he was, he was, he was, a, little, he was a little butthurt, a little sad that he lost a couple transfers here and there. Guys that he's looking at beat up on his roster that he was asking for. So, I mean, listen, it happens. But this team, is it, right now, it's not like they, they're they out of it or anything. It's just they just, got, they just need a lot of cars to fall in the right way for them. They got like, the, the chips got to be moved in a certain panel. The slot machine just has to hit for them if they want anything to happen come the rest of the season. But right now, they they don't look as much better than they did in week one. Milray still is like an athletically freakish good football player. But as a quarterback alone, just the position of quarterback is still led to be desired. Like he still cannot be trusted to really make downfield accurate throws or even the intermediate routes. Like he's, he's he looked for his first read and that's it. The first read's not there. Oh man, all hell is breaking loose. You look at Bushner and Simpson; they can make those type of throws, but they hold the ball too long. I mean, that's what I saw in, in the previous games where they both played. They hold the ball to him. Yeah, Simpson had a one good drive. Like that's the only thing I keep hearing about is the one good drive and how he led them to a, a win. I'm like, but he didn't lead them to anything. Again, Alabama has yet another star-studded running back. We, we know what the one thing they're going to have is a great running back, and they have that. But this this year, this the defense just hasn't been as fluid as it used to be. 
So it, it, Alabama right now is just – I don't think it's going to be a team that's going to hit the top five in the AP poll. I don't know how – if they make the playoffs, I don't know what they're really going to do. But it, it, at, at this point in time, Alabama's suspect, guys. That's all I can say. Alabama is majorly suspect. Unlike Ohio State, they're better than us. I hate to say that. I'm really, I really hate well, to Jared, that. Jared, okay. I, I want to just it's okay that Alabama I talk you off the ledge. Good. I mean, yeah. listen, I had to say that because I lost the bet. So I had to say Alabama, I had to say Ohio State was better than us. I had to. I, I just I just want to point out though that well, uh, shout, Alabama shout may out, have shout out issues. Nigel McKnight for that bet. I know who that bet came No, it wasn't Nigel. Even though if he did, he probably he he's been on a streak lately. He'd have won that one for sure. Listen, I just want to talk you off the ledge real quick because Alabama's having this thing where listen, they just don't have the talent that they used to have. You mentioned that recruiting class for um, Jared, sorry, that it was one of the weakest ones in recent memory. And that's true, but that just doesn't mean that it's like the end of everything, right? Alabama still has a high-quality roster. There are 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 teams in college football that would probably trade their entire roster for Alabama's roster oh, with the quarterback issues and everything. And I also think that given the style of football that Nick Saban truly enjoys to play, I think it's just going to be an adjustment period because you don't have the Tua's. You don't have a Jalen Hurts. You don't have a Waddle. You don't have a Jerry Judy. You don't have a Henry Ruggs. All of these players that I'm mentioning, these skill position players that have high, quick IQ, can get the ball out of their hands quickly with as the quarterbacks, but also these speedy receivers, that style of football is not what Nick Saban has to do with this kind of roster, right? He needs to go back to 2012 to 2013, running the football. And me personally, I think Milrow is the best option there. So I understand why you think that maybe a couple of the other guys may have better qualities in that sense. But I want to talk to you off the ledge, all right? You're still going to win 9, 10, probably 11 games, okay? Maybe 10 games maybe, I think. And that's still a fantastic season. It's just not this... Alabama dominance that we have been used to and been accustomed to since Nick Saban got there in 2007 or 2008, whenever it was. You know what I mean? Listen, let's 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 play Chris and I's favorite game. Let's look at the schedule, right? Let's well, let me pull the next five games for you. Oh yeah, the Clinton, well, that's that's want to say that. Let me pull the next five games for you. You have Alabama versus MC State. Then you have Texas A and M, Arkansas, Tennessee, LSU. Win the LSU game. is a toss-up. Well, let's be so realistic. One, maybe let's be one. realistic. Tennessee and LSU are 50-50s. Listen, Tennessee is not a 50-50. Tennessee's terrible. Tennessee's, Tennessee's terrible, not, but Joe again, if, you're, if the quarterback play stays the way it's at, 50-50. But hold on, wait. Let me pause you Joe. real quick at Tennessee because as a Florida fan, I just saw my team run the ball down their throats, yeah. control the time of possession, and win by tw- by two scores. If Florida can do that, Alabama can do that. If Florida did just give Joe them Milton more. is what, or excuse me, Michael Penix, your guy, Jared, is what everybody was pretending that Joe Milton was this offseason. Just because you could throw a ball 95 yards and you threw an orange 110 yards does not mean you're a good quarterback. That's fair. That That's a fair. Look at, look, look at us talking Jared off the ledge. Ah. <laughs> and here I come just to. Here's the hate. Here's the hate. Here's the hate. Push him off. Push him off. Yeah, of course. Just drop kick him. Jared, I know that the quarterback situation is kind of untenable in Alabama. You just, it's kind of too far gone at this point. But what's another team that you've seen put it together 
and and you as a fan, uh, you know, would want to say, I want my team to be running like that. Oh, I'm not a fan of this team, but if my team could run like that, we all know who it is. <laughs> we we all know if you're in Georgia, I would love to have a football team like that right now. They're killing it. Like the way they just dominated UAB, disgusting. Like they're, they're whoa, probably, whoa, whoa, whoa. stop, 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 stop. The way they dominated the you. University of Alabama at Birmingham. No, listen. Look who the schedule is they play. Trent Dilfer is the head coach. Jared, here's my here's my problem with like the Alabamas and the Georgias of the world. They got an easy schedule, but they, they come out. They come out with this cupcake. They come out with this cupcake preseason schedule. And then if they take a loss in the beginning of the year to an actual team like Texas, everyone's kind of confused. But it's like, what are we doing here to prepare? We're playing UAB, and you're sitting here bragging about it. Well, that's all they can do because, I mean, if you look at Georgia's schedule, they they don't play much better. Like, they the, the hardest comp might be Florida because then they play also play Missouri, Tennessee, and Mississippi. Like, let me let me for a split second, and I cannot believe I'm about to do this, but let me defend Georgia for a second. They did uh, have Oklahoma on their schedule, I think the second week of the year. But with this whole realignment stuff, that game, same thing with Florida. Florida had Tennessee, I'm um, sorry, Texas on the schedule this year. So with but with the whole conference realignment stuff and them coming to the SEC. Florida had to drop the game against Texas because that is going to be a conference game in a couple years. Same thing with Georgia and Oklahoma. They were supposed to play Oklahoma against this really good defense Oklahoma's got going on right now. Bents this high, you know, powered offense led by Dylan Gabriel. Might be Jackson Arnold in a couple weeks, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, but they do have this high-powered Jeff Levy offense that is working really well. So in Georgia's defense, pause while I vomit, uh, Thank you. they did have a better schedule lined up beforehand but to chris's point hey they ain't playing nobody right now and, they and i also all disagree season, with you jared they won't play anybody all like season i don't think they look like they have in the past two years which is a bold, which is not a bold statement because they coming off back-to-back national championships but um i i would be more concerned about a team like texas who is seemingly i don't want to say the b word but they might be back no, um, no, I would be more awesome. concerned with a team in the playoff like a Washington, whose offense is firing on all cylinders. I would be concerned with what, no, what Ohio State just showed us against Notre Dame last weekend. Right. I'm, so, I'm much that, more that thrilled be- to see Penn State do something for the first time in forever than I am to see Texas because Texas is they got a capable quarterback for the first time in like a decade. So, yeah, yeah it, was, it was about time for them. We'll, we'll see what happens in the rival game versus Ohio State. But then that's when the real test will tell if this team is actually worth the snuff that they've showed. See, Jared's over here hating on Bevo. You know, I, I appreciate a good bovine myself. So, Borba, I'm going to go to you. You see that liberation there? You know, shout out to him, 76 on that one. But, Borba, we talk about – I respect him. Thank you, thank you. They're talking about Texas maybe being back, and you kind of made a face mm-hmm. of – I don't know. Explain how you feel about Texas maybe being back and, and the fact that Steve Sarkeesian has kind of finally turned that program around that hasn't really been relevant since Matt yeah. Brown left. Yeah, I think the, the being back conversation is always a tough conversation to me because I've had my hopes up many times as a Texas fan. And the most recent one was when Sam Ellinger Sam actually said we were back. And so I was like, dude, we're back for sure. And then we weren't. 
And it's like, okay, so we're back to this again. And so I think Quinn Ewers is not only showing that he's one of the better quarterbacks in college football, and I don't think he's actually played as well as he could have um, outside of the Alabama game. I think he's kind of had some down weeks. But he showed a pro move by avoiding the is Texas back question by Holly Rowe. She tried to bait him into it after the game. She was like, so what does this mean for Texas? It was a t- like such a bait question, but that's not what the question was. Um, I think that, that Texas right really- there, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but like that right there, the fact that Quinn Ewers was able to sidestep the question and not like fall into a trap, that to me is the biggest indicator, more than their play on the field, that Texas is mm. back. Please continue. I just wanted to yeah, emphasize totally how agree. important that is. It's kind of crazy because, like, when you think of Texas right now, you think of Quinn Ewers, you think of our receivers and the offense line. But our defense, Texas' defense, is literally one of the best defenses in the country. And I don't think they've had a balanced team like this um, since Colt McCoy was on campus. And Colt McCoy is literally, like, 40 years old and looking for a backup quarterback job in the NFL just to ride out on the, ride out into the sunset one final, team, one final time. excuse me. And so Texas is just in a different area, different stratosphere than they have been over the past, like, decade. And it's a tribute to the recruiting. It's a tribute to their development, most of all. And it's a tribute to things falling in their favor at the right time. Alabama's down. Um, I'm not going to pretend like Texas is all world. Um, they're a good team. They're a great team, possibly. But Alabama's not having a great year. The rest of the Big 12 looks like a mess. And so things are clicking at the right time. And it's not to take credit away from them, but it helps to have things going your way. Jared, we've talked a lot just now about a Texas team in Austin. Jared, let's talk about the Texas team in Dallas. We transitioned over to the NFL now, and undoubtedly, the upset of the weekend, the 12-and-a-half-point favorite Dallas Cowboys stumble into the desert and lose, falling them, you know, having themselves now on the outside looking in at the undefeated 3-0 club of you know Sergio's Dolphins, Borba's Niners, and Jared, you are not Eagles. Talk to me about that game in particular, and if people were too quick to anoint Dallas as the team in the NFC. No, absolutely. That that shouldn't have been a question for them to be in that conversation right away. Like, yeah, they dominated the Giants, but it's the Giants. Like, we we there was there was just too much going on in favor of the Giants having another spec. Not I wouldn't say spectacular, but fluky season where they were just having you know real good games. It wasn't like Daniel Jones had showed much last year when it comes to the wide receivers that they had, and the defense was still the same as it was this year. So after that game, I don't know how that Dallas game versus the Giants usurped the 49ers game versus the Steelers, where the 49ers came out and whooped one of the best defenses teams' ass in the NFL. Like the, the Steelers have a very good defense, and that's not something you slouch about when you talk about the Steelers defense. That's something Mike Tomlin prides himself on. That like that's not comparable. So I don't know how the Cowboys put themselves in that conversation. Honestly, we know how it happened when you know the sports media does that. But yeah, that they they should fall from grace after that because losing to the Cardinals after the Giants then proceed the week before to come back down twenty eight versus them. It just only goes to show you that one the NFC East is still the NFC East. Like anything can happen. Like yeah, and then it also goes to show you that the Cowboys dig losing digs hurts a lot. Like it hurt them a lot more than a lot of people were taking it for. Some were just like, well, like again, the jokes are always going to be there about Diggs being a uh, wide receiver playing DB, mm-hmm. but him not being there, you'll show to show you that that secondary they they were getting taken advantage of. Right. And, and because the secondary is getting taken advantage of, 
James Conner was then able to do what he wanted to do right. in the run game, which is something you don't really see from the Cardinals because, again, the Cardinals look like they're just not going to be a good football team this year. See, the thing about the Cardinals that I, I – go ahead, go ahead. I was, I was just going to add one sentence. The, the Cowboys lost to a team – who doesn't even sell their own quarterback's jersey in the team store? Continue. Josh Dobbs' jersey not sold in the team store. Josh Dobbs. No, he literally went to the team store trying to buy his own jersey, and he had to custom make it. <laughs> Josh, <laughs> That's Dobbs, Josh Dobbs got there two weeks before the season started. Was a journeyman quarterback yes. before this year. He had never. He had. I don't think he'd ever started a week one game prior to this. He was a fourth round pick, I believe, by Pittsburgh to be Big Ben's backup many years ago. But Jared, you mentioned that the comparison of that forty to nothing game in Week One, the Giants had, you know, taking that L and then coming back down twenty one, I believe, at halftime. So they had, they had gotten, they had been getting outscored forty plus twenty one. You do the math. That's sixty one points in six quarters, right? That team, the team that lost to that team, <laughs> the team that lost to that team, the Giants. Take a, you know, um, I'm sorry, the Cowboys. Take all this momentum and all this, you know, people giving them good, you know, that that expectation starts to be there. And that I see, you know, as usual, Dallas failing to live up to expectations. But a team that has exceeded their expectations, in my eyes, especially after the 70-point game that they had on Sunday, the Miami Dolphins are 3-0. and Sergio, I know you're happy. I know you're doing Tua Jitsu. Talk to me about what you saw from your team this past, you know, these past three weeks. Greatness, <laughs> excellence, dominance. I mean, how many more words can I come up with? Listen. Just to say that, in my opinion, the best, definitely the best offense in the league. I don't think we're the best team in the league because I am afraid of one Bosa brother, uh, and I also am afraid of the one former Georgia uh, player, Jalen Carter, who's over in Philadelphia. So uh, I don't want to, I don't want to say we're the best complete team in the league. Cause there are some defensive questions, but definitely on offense, we're looking at a generational and I truly mean generational offensive season that we have laid out in front of us. And it's not just Tua who I will get to in a second, because I was quiet that entire time. Cause I was pulling up some stats, just wanted to, <laughs> Be blunt about it. I got some information <laughs> for y'all boys. But, you know, not only do we have Tyreek Hill, who is, as we know, the most explosive and one of the most, in, like, absurd cheat codes in football today, but Jalen Waddle, who, by the way, didn't play in that 70-point performance. want to emphasize that. But the offensive mm-hmm. line has taken a step up. And to me, that is the biggest factor, more than Tyreek, more than the weapons, more than Mostert, more than A-Chain, who we just saw go off yesterday on um, this past Sunday. But the offensive line is taking a step forward that the Dolphins' offensive line hasn't done. It definitely in my fandom, and I've been watching since probably about 2002. I'm 27. I've probably been watching since I was about five or six. I never saw Marino. My first quarterback was Jay Fielder. So that's how long it's been since the Dolphins' offensive line has been competent. And the most important part of that is that the first two games of the year, we were missing Trevon Armstead, who is our left tackle or right tackle because two is left-handed. But, you know, that blindside franchise tackle that you need to protect your quarterback. The first game he comes in and we drop 70. And I don't think, yes, we did play the Broncos, who are not a good football team. But I just think that all of these things start with the offensive line. 
Tua is proving everyone wrong. This is what I believed Tua could do in the NFL from the day he was drafted. I washed my Tua jersey, so you guys can't see it in the background because I, I put it back in the closet yes, uh, this morning after it dried. But that Tua jersey that I bought, I bought it on draft night 30 minutes after we drafted him. I have had all of the faith in the world in this guy since he was drafted, and it's so nice and rewarding that not just for people like me who have really bought into this quarterback from the day he was drafted, but Dolphin fans everywhere can truly embrace and appreciate it. This is a man who, in the same draft class as Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, both of which got contract extensions going into this season, Tua did not. Tua is basically on a play it, prove us so you can show it, and there is no person playing better football than Tua Tagovailoa in the NFL. I want to run through a few stats quickly because I know we're going to keep moving and, and there's some more questions and all that stuff, but... In terms of offensive passing EPA, EPA means expected points added, meaning for each play that is done in the game, how many, what are you responsible, how many points are responsible per that play? Tua, in a per game basis, is responsible for 20.3 of the Dolphins' points in a game. The next closest player, quarterback, I should say, because we're comparing quarterbacks here, is Justin Herbert, who is really good, but his is 12.7. So Tua is playing at a seven points per game. Tua is worth a touchdown more per game than any other quarterback in the league, okay? He is first in passing first downs at 53, second to only Kirk Cousins. He is first in yards per attempt at 10.1, second only to Kevin Borba's Brock Purdy. And he has the highest passer rating in the NFL at 121.9, second, uh, with second place being Herbert again, at 112.9. And I think the craziest stat of them all, because the biggest misconception is that, oh, Tua throws to Waddle and Tyreek and they get all of these yards after the catch and that's what gets all his numbers inflated. Not true. In terms of quarterback EPA and compared with the completion percentage over the expected, right? So how, man, how much are you expected to complete your passes based on what you're expected to? Tua is by far the best in the league, averaging 0.6 EPA per attempt. Every throw Tua makes is worth over half of a point in the grand scheme of things uh, for the Dolphins' results. That number is the highest in the league, but the craziest stat of them all is that Tua, without Tyreek Hill on the field, that 0.6 EPA that Tua has jumps up to 0.8. So the Dolphins and Tua Tagovailoa are expected to add more points per play with Tyreek Hill off the field than with him on the field. So I don't want to hear this, all Tua does is throw it to Tyreek and he runs 70 yards. Does that happen a couple times a game? Yeah, because Tyreek Hill's an animal. Literally Cheetah. That's his nickname. The man is faster than light. But Tua is doing things that no other quarterback is doing. His accuracy is the best in the league. And if you don't believe me, ask Brian Dayball. Ask any other offensive mind in the league. This is the NFL MVP in the month of September. He is the front runner for NFL MVP for this season as it stands. And if he stays healthy, because I know that is a massive, massive if, I don't see why Tua can't lead the Dolphins to the Super Bowl. Winning it is another conversation, mm -hmm. but I do believe that this is the best team in the AFC. And given the fact that Patrick Mahomes has a bunch of Swiss cheese out there playing wide receiver mm -hmm. outside of Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift's new boyfriend. Sorry, I, my girlfriend asked me to say that and 
I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to oblige. Uh, I just had, I'd do it for her. You know, you got to keep the relationship happy, all that stuff. You know what I mean? But outside of those chiefs and outside of those chiefs that has receivers that can't patch the ball. I, I think the dolphins are the best team in the AFC and the things that Tua is doing is approaching like legendary. If this man can keep this up for a two, three year stretch, there's no reason why we can't put Tua in the same tier as a Patrick Mahomes. Forget about Herbert and, and Burrow. I mean, great players, but and definitely will be compared to for the rest of his career because of the draft class. But we're talking this could be the second best quarterback in the league. Maybe have an argument for tying with Mahomes as the best if he continues this, right? We're talking about three games here, okay? We're, talking, we're still in September, all right? I understand. But when you look at what he is doing on the field with terms of accuracy and effectiveness – there's no one better in the league right now, and the sky is the limit. And this quite literally is the best Dolphins team I have ever seen in my 27 years of life. So let me ask you a follow-up question, and I don't mean to pop your bubble, but it's kind of what I do. Um, talk to me about the because the, the, there, the, there are questions out there. I'm not even going to ask you about the Tua Health thing that's out there. Yeah, so no, I get it. What about the I idea get- of Mike McDaniel hasn't been – you know, on a, on a playoff run. It's not like this is Tua with an experienced coach that's done, you know, been there and done that, and now they're kind of new. He's a new coach. He's in a new situation. He's from that Shanahan tree, and only one of those guys has been successful, and that's McVay. Not even Shanahan, no, not Zach Taylor, not the other guy. So what as – and I'm not saying as a Dolphins fan. Try to be as, you know, objective as you can. I know after that Absolutely. after that propaganda, I don't know how objective you can be, but I will ask anyway. Uh-huh. What have you seen from Mike McDaniel and what have you seen from the Dolphins that gives you that confidence to say that this team could be a Super Bowl contender? Yeah, no, I, I get that. And, and look, I, I know that everything that I say is going to come, you know, through a Dolphins lens because I'm a Dolphins fan. You know, it is what it is. But objectively if you want i can remove that fandom from this this analysis i think what separates mcdaniel from these other shanahan disciples um is that mcdaniel's when he got his come up he was the run game coordinator for san francisco so mcdaniel's bread and butter and i think a lot of people forget this because we have tyreek because we have waddle because we have tua a lot of people think oh this is a flashy throw the ball into the into the you know into the slot throw throw the ball into the flat get the players with space to have speed and yeah that's part of it but the only way that that works is if you establish the run beforehand and McDaniel's understands that better than most i think McDaniel's gets that and and the reason why going all the way back to the beginning of this take right the offensive line is playing the best that i have seen it in over a decade and when you look at what Mostert did on Sunday, when you look at what Achain did on Sunday, these guys not only have track speed, right? Because there's actually a, a rumor that uh, Achain, Samuel Achain, um, the running back that kind of blew up this past Sunday, there's a rumor that he is faster than Tyreek Hill. That is a rumor coming out of Dolphins facilities, out of, out of Dolphins fandom, that that is something that is true. So if we can establish the run, if we can dominate inside of the trenches and then do by doing so open up the space for Tyreek and for Waddle to get out there and get and make some plays and have the most accurate quarterback in the NFL to making those throws and making the right decisions. That's why I think the sky's the limit. 
that I don't I'm not saying it'll happen. And again, McDaniel is a young coach. He's in his late 30s. I understand this. Maybe he gets to a point in the AFC championship game and you never know if someone's going to choke until you see them choking. So, you know, you know, it's happen. even McVay, right? It took McVay two cracks at the Super Bowl to get that ring. That first one, we forget Bill Belichick put him in a blender in that first Super Bowl that he went up against them. So it may not happen this year. But I got faith that as long as this offensive line stays together, as long as the running backs can continue to produce, as long as everyone stays healthy, and as long as the mentality isn't just let's be flashy and do these things so that we can end up on TikTok after the game, mm-hmm. and the mentality is let us do let's do what we need to do to win this specific game. That's what makes me feel like the sky's the limit. Now, my one question mark with the Dolphins is the defense, because Vic Fangio is there and he has improved it significantly, but our beloved Xavier Howard. God bless him. He was the one of the best corners in the league for a four or five year stretch. But that man is not what he once was. And he is the, a liability out there in the secondary for us. And until we get someone like a Jalen Ramsey back fully healthy to take that pressure off of X on the opposite side, I don't see the offense, the defense fully clicking enough to be at that championship level. I do think they'll get better because you do got Jalen Phillips, who's cooking uh, over at the edge and is quickly becoming one of the better edge rushers in the conference. You do have um, guys like Raquan Davis up in the middle. You have guys like Christian Wilkins in the middle. You do have some great linebackers like Van Ginkle. There's pieces here, and if they can continue to play together, I think the defense can do just enough to let the offense do its thing, which again goes back to the offensive line, establishing the run, and then getting the ball into space so Tyree can do his thing, so Waddle can do his thing, so Tua can do his thing. So that's that's the objective view for me why I think the Dolphins are, are the best team in the conference and, de- and a Super Bowl contender. But I can also understand why people can be like, oh, this man's looking at it through Miami lenses because, yeah, listen, man, I've never had this before. I don't know how to – they say act like you've been there. I ain't never been here. I don't know how to act. I'm just acting how I act because I don't know what's going on. You know what I mean? Speaking of, speaking of a team that's been there, Borba, I want to throw this over to you. I know you want to talk about your Niners, and there's some questions there. But what's the you know what's the thing that you've seen over these first three weeks that make you confident that your team is a Super Bowl contender? He should. There was there's one thing that stands out to me. And it's Brock Purdy protecting the football. On um, the entire offseason, there was drama around our quarterback situation. Jared, why are you hating on Purdy? Bro, I'm not hating for you. Actually, I like him a lot. That was just the, the protecting the football. That's a that's a stop. Like, what are we talking about? Is, is, are you are you mad? Are, no you, are you basically calling him a game manager? Are you calling him a game manager, Jared? There's nothing wrong with being a game manager, though. Sounds, but he is one. Sounds like but they, he, he, is, he is a game manager. Oh, no, wrong with that. He's, he's throwing behind the, the best O line in the league. Third best O line in the league. I'm sorry. Okay, hold on. Let let him let Borba finish, and then I'll you know then you can interject. That's rude, Jared. Don't be rude to our guests. The only oh my lord, I was I wasn't expecting Brock Party to be putting up two numbers, Mahomes numbers, but I was worried about the preseason reports. I was saying he was throwing like three to five picks a day at practice, and his arm strength wasn't there. His arm was tired because um, one eagle broke his chicken wing and like. Legit, we had to put Christian McCaffrey at quarterback, and Kyle Juszczyk was playing quarterback for us. Like Brock, you guys heard Brock Purdy, and I was worried that he was damaged goods. And the whole offseason, we were hearing, should it be Trey Lance? Should it be Brock Purdy? Should they have kept Jimmy Garoppolo? And so for him to go out there 
have four touchdown passes, complete um, 67% of his passes, he's doing his job. I'm not asking him to carry us to Super Bowl, Super Bowl by himself because he has Christian McCaffrey, probably the best running back in the league. And then our defense is doing what they do. Um, Nick Bosa is just Sergio. There's a reason Sergio is afraid of one of the Bosa brothers. Um, and hey, it's because Saint, he's Saint ferocious. Saints guy down the road. I don't, I don't want to see either of the Bosa brothers at any point, but I definitely exactly. know that I will be seeing Nick, I think, more than Joey. <laughs> Yeah, and I think realistically too, it's it's cool to see Brandon Ayuk kind of step into this role. Is like, I think everybody thinks of Debo Samuel as our best receiver, but I think Brandon Ayuk's actually our best receiver skills wise. I think uh, Debo Samuel just kind of has a different role. So everything's going to plan um, as of right now, and so as long as our secondary cannot like fall apart, like it has a couple couple past years where it's like all of a sudden we're down to our third string corner and like whatever it may be. Injuries have plagued us and that's been our biggest weakness. So if we can stay healthy, I'm confident. Now, now Jared, ask your question. It's not a question. I mean, again, I, I can't disrespect both teams. Like 70 points is crazy. There's nothing to disrespect there. If you try and find a reason to fault the Dolphins right now, it's it's really crazy to do it. You're just really just hating on a team that's right now the best team in not only in their division but in the conference, right? Now you can you can criticize our defense. Like well, that's, that's, that's valid. That, I feel like that's they the byproduct of losing your best player. Like let's be for real. Like if you lose your your best player, who's also the leader, where yeah, you, you mentioned the whole TikTok thing. Well, that's him. But like you you lose that guy, yeah, you're going to be susceptible to some changes. Some guys are going to be trying to make plays that they just they're you're just not physically gifted to make. Like he can. That happens. They, they, the defense line is still also the same, has shown though. up when when the game is on the line in the first two weeks. In the defensive line has been there. Like, that's like it's just the secondary has issues. 49ers haven't shown me anything issues wise besides like the Brock Purdy holding on to the ball thing was just a crazy take. Because I'm just like, yeah, preseason or you know training camp, everybody reports everything. Like I, if if you were to find out, yeah, he likes to sneeze with his left hand, but he blows his nose with his right hand. Like you you know that's like that's the report we're gonna make. We're like, look what he played. Like look at the offensive line he plays behind. There's nothing. To, there's nothing to fear when he has to hold on to the ball. There's nothing like the only thing I'm be saying now. I told you guys I'm short on with Brock Purdy is the fact that he just can't throw short. Like that's it. Like that's the only thing that you're like, oh, if we're gonna win the game, let's make him throw a short right because right now it's still questionable the accuracy of his short right throw. Like he overthrows just a little bit or he's underthrowing that pass. But everything else wise, he's Brock good. Purdy, I don't think Brock Purdy's like good. I just think he's not bad. He's a game like, manager. There's nothing he's, wrong with he's, that. And there's nothing wrong with that. He's, he's a perfect he, I think quarterback he's the best for our system. Let me ask you guys. Let me ask you guys this question because Sergio, you make, agree, a, you make up a good point that there's a lot of average quarterbacks. Right? There's not that many higher uh, upper echelon quarterbacks, and that might come back to the Cowboys thing because now there's a lot of questions about their offense and can their offense produce because they have a defense. They have a legitimate defense, right? You, you I mean, you got to be a super hater to say they don't have a, a legitimate defense. But I am a super hater, but even I say that they have a legitimate. Right, defense. you know, I, I did see you at the super haters conference, and I can I can verify that you are a super hater. We were there. Yeah, we, we had it. Yeah, headliners. Had it. But of course, <laughs> you look at the, you look at the, across the league, and there's a lot of guys that are in the Kirk Cousins role that are good enough to you know good enough to not lose you games, but not good enough to go out and win you a game if you need that. Is Brock Purdy, you know, just riding the wave of this team around him? Or is he actually kind of contributing and holding his, you know, his fair weight? He's doing the same thing Jimmy G did. I think by by not messing up, 
you're doing your job. And I think it's kind of unfair to expect every quarterback to be a Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert to a, who Josh Allen, whatever you want to name. There's only probably four or five elite quarterbacks in the NFL. And even then, once you get to that elite status, there's probably two um, that are like above everybody else. So the rest of us are just out here hoping that we have a composite quarterback because you could have a Sam Howell. You could have. Um, Zach Wilson, uh, it could get much worse than Brock Purdy. So I think while it, he's not going to win us games by carrying us and putting us on his back, that's not what our team's built for. Um, if our team was built around Brock Purdy, I would question John Lynch as a general manager. I'd question Kyle Shanahan as a football mind because it's like, why are you putting this pressure on a guy who was an average quarterback in college? Like he's exactly what we need. And there's only so many elite quarterbacks in the NFL. And unfortunately, we don't have one. Um but we don't need one because our team's good. So I'm fine with it until he starts messing up, until he becomes an issue where it's like, okay, Brock Purdy is actively losing and might be betting against us. Um, you know, I'd be putting down a parlay to have like the the over-under or something. I don't care how what his stats look like because he's just there to win games. It's listen, he's just Jimmy G, but younger. And it's not the only real question is just like does he have the intangibles and is, is he clutch in the moment? That's the only thing we haven't seen yet because he got hurt in that one game against the Eagles. Other than that, though, they got a great team, so you don't have to really worry about a team built around him. They really wanted to build a team around a QB that they kept Trey Lance and just rocked the Trey Lance. But they didn't do that because they said, we got a good game manager, young. We don't have to pay him a lot. And with the team that we have built for the next couple of years, we could just keep trying to make it better. Whereas if we had Trey Lance, it's ten million that or ten millions and, and then then some that we're gonna have to pay out to a quarterback that we just like they just weren't ready for it, didn't believe in yet. So that's just where they're at, and that's that's perfectly fine. Because right now, if we're just being un- unrealistically biased, 49ers look like they have the best shot to the Super Bowl in the NFC at least. So it's just like I'm not, I don't, I don't, I don't hate on Brock Purdy at all. I just think that right now. Until they play somebody really, really good, or at least we think is a really, really good team, I don't know. I, I can't say they've had a real competitive shot yet. Just like the same could be said for the Eagles case, whereas the Dolphins have played like two good teams. Like, well, I, I, think, good teams. I think we're on a, I think we're on a collision course for 49ers, Philadelphia in the NFC Championship game, Kansas City, Miami in the AFC Championship game, and this entire season is essentially to figure out: is it Philly? Or San Francisco with home field, or is it Miami or Kansas City with home field in those in those two games? Personally, and I think going back to the Brock Purdy thing, number one, could you imagine if the 49ers had like one of the what we're calling you know elite quarterbacks compared to instead of and like we said, Brock Purdy, I think is doing doing the right thing, doing his job. But like that's why like this whole Tua thing to me personally is so. I'm so passionate and also it's like so glaring to me because when you have a quarterback that many people think is middle of the pack, just good enough, because I think people could argue last year Tua, the perception of Tua, I should say, was definitely what the perception of Brock Purdy is right now, as in like game manager will do the job for you. And then he just leveled up into what some of us thought he always was, but now is showing it to everyone else. Does Brock Purdy have that level up either throughout this season or in the off season going into the following year? You know what I mean? That's the question mark with the 49ers for me because everywhere else to me, 
there are no question marks for the 49ers. Line, skill position, defense, whatever you want to call it, they're set. Chris. Quarterback, can he take that Tua-esque jump up either this year or sometime next year? Chris, I haven't you, – again, you're the only one that really know besides like certain other haters, but you're the only one that really knows that says there's there's only like, what, four elite quarterbacks in the NFL. No, right. Chris, is, Chris doesn't like the word elite when it comes to QBs. Yeah. Once you hit the top four – Elite's a very strong yeah, word. This is fair. So this is the question I have. You're looking at the 49ers. I'm going to name all three. 49ers equals Dolphins. Mm-hmm. We're talking elite quarterbacks. If you were to replace those three quarterbacks with the considered elite, does the record change, right? Does the record change or does the status change? I would put Tua as the last quarterback in whatever that elite status is. So if you have Hurts, Purdy, Tua, you replace them with like Josh Allen, Joe Burry, Joe Burrow, I'm sorry, and Lamar, because I think Mahomes going with any team. I'm going to be fair. I'm going to be realistic right now. Mm -hmm. So those three are right now, I think the upper echelon of the QBs for the elite category. Those three, does does the record change for any of them? Um, I think the 49ers can go undefeated if they have any of those other quarterbacks. I think they go undefeated now with Brock Purdy because of what they have. I don't know. Here's the thing about un- the Niners are so I don't, good. I don't, like, that's what I'm saying. So I'm just like, what do they need an elite QB for? Like, that's, that's what I'm saying. Here's like, what my, they here's my question. Here, and, and Borba, I don't mean to sound like a hater, but to throw around the undefeated, I, I just. Things have to be. Like, things are very strong when you start throwing around they could be undefeated because it's so hard. Week in, week out. I'm the only one that didn't say it. You are. (laughs) And and, and you remind me a lot of what I was last year when people were talking about the Eagles. And Jared would get on this podcast every week and bang the table about the Eagles. And I would be like, okay. I I caught it. We got this football. But, like, it was always like, okay, now prove it. And then they proved it. And then it becomes, okay, now prove it again. And the 49ers have proved the time time that they're of of the upper echelon teams of the NFC. They just haven't broken through, right? They've gotten to two Super Bowls yep. since since '94. They've lost both of them. They they haven't had the sustained success that you talk about the the higher upper echelon teams. Like they've been in the mix, but they haven't kind of broken through. So, does this team for you? You know, looking for these first three weeks and kind of projecting. Are you preparing? Because I I know how it is when you've kind of gotten so close and you haven't broken through. Is there a thought in the yeah. back of your mind, I, like, okay, when does the when does the kind of rug get pulled out from under me? It's more so like the rug of our game management. Like, when does that rug get pulled out? Because that's what hurt us um, most. I'll, I mean, the Colin Kaepernick Super Bowl. That one we kind of got off to a bad start, and then had the light delay and like that was like our resurgence but the most recent one against the chiefs where it was like we had a 10 point lead i think it was um and then we got conservative i believe on a certain call and just we kind of kyle shanahan did what he did with the falcons to a lesser degree um he just kind of game managed his way out of a super bowl victory and so that's my worry because i think last year with the eagles like how how are you supposed to know that your two quarterbacks are both going to get injured and then all of a sudden you're going to throw Brock Purdy out there who can't throw at five yards. Like there's nothing we could have done there. And then the year prior, it was like we had so many injuries. And so it's like, when does someone get injured that we need? Or when does Kyle Shanahan like decide to be like, just make the antithesis of the right decision. And so that's my worry. It's not on the field. It's like that on the exterior factors that have been plaguing us because I don't want to ever say someone's unlucky or a team's unlucky, 
But if there was like a ranking for unluckiness, I maybe this could be my bias, but I feel like we'd be at or near the top of unlucky teams that are contenders. That's a that's a fair point that are contenders because there are a lot of unlucky teams. But a team that may be at, I don't care about the Browns. No, no, no. <laughs> the team that I was gonna say that may be the top of the unlucky contender list is probably the Buffalo Bills. Sergio, as a Dolphins fan, you see the Bills you know across the way in the division. Talk to me about what you've seen from them. Um and and on as a on a, on a side note from Buffalo, also Cincinnati, two of two potential rivals in the AFC that some people have kind of said they've underachieved a little bit. I think I think Buff I think I don't think the underachieve statement is accurate about Buffalo. I think they had a bad game against the Jets. Because if you look at weeks two and three, Buffalo turned it back on. Josh Allen looks like the quarterback that we thought he was, and they're playing really good football, and the defense is showing up. So I think that, honestly, looking in, if you're looking from a Buffalo perspective, that loss to the Jets, while not ideal because Aaron Rodgers went down on the fourth play and you you should be beating the Jets, especially after we've all been forced to watch my, um, I was going to say Mike White, forced to watch uh, Zach Wilson play quarterback for two weeks, which is just horrible on my eyes, but... It would Apart be a privilege that, to watch Mike White. Again. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, no, he threw a bomb to Robbie Robbie Chosen Anderson, uh, beating. And anyway, we're not going to go back to Dolphins. But the point being, Buffalo, I think, is on a better track and back on track. I don't think they're kind of underachieving. They just had a stumbling block to start. The Cincinnati situation is how healthy is Joe Burrow's leg? Because we all watched that Monday Night Football game, and while Ooh. he looked good in spurts and he was looking good. I have genuine concern because if you're dealing with a calf strain and it gets re-aggravated and you're not going to sit out and let it fully heal, is he going to like snap something in God forbid? Cause I never wish, you know, injury on anyone at all ever, but I'm concerned that if Josh out, I'm sorry, if Joe Burrow goes down, does Cincinnati have enough to really elevate themselves and get back into that contender status into that? One of the top echelon teams in the AFC. The win against the Rams was massive because if you start off 0-3, mm, really tough to get back they in. They barely have enough with him. I'm sorry? They barely have enough with him. They barely have enough with him to <laughs> exactly. be a contender. Exactly. And so and so it's like his calf thing, it's cool that he came back and it's like I don't want to wish injury upon anybody, but like we'll just call it what it is. Like they're flirting with an Achilles injury. Yes. And it's like why why risk it and just hope that you can make history? and be like the first team that started 0-4 to make the playoffs or whatever because there's 17 weeks of NFL football. Like there is plenty of games to be won if he could come back healthy. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't know why they're playing this game. Like literally two weeks after, we just saw Aaron Rodgers snap his Achilles on national television. Yeah, and and those calf strains and Achilles injuries are very closely linked given the proximity between the tendon and the muscle and all that stuff. So I would be more concerned about Cincinnati than Buffalo. Buffalo's going to get theirs, and it's going it's Miami and Buffalo in the AFC East. This this game on Sunday is massive. Plays in the benefit of Miami because it's in Buffalo, and we're still in the month of September, or it'll be it'll be October first on right. Sunday. But we don't have to deal it's with sun- the snow. And it's all Sunday in seventy five in Buffalo this weekend. Exactly. So the the elements definitely lean in Miami's favor because of what it could have been. Um, but yeah, man, look, I, I respect Buffalo as a football team, as an organization. Um, can they 
get over that hump because they are the team that is get San over Francisco, the hump. But San, I don't think that question is going to be answered until San the San Francisco and Buffalo are those can they get over the hump teams. But San Francisco is can they win it, and Buffalo's is can they get back there because yeah. they've been close, but they haven't really – you know, they can't break through. And are, and, and are we going to see the Josh Allen that throws an interception once a quarter in the playoffs, or are we going to see the Josh Allen we've seen in the past couple of weeks? Yeah. That's another big question mark. Where we know he's good, Wait. it's just is he going to play like he's good this week? You know? I like our situation better. I'm just going to put that out there because I think Josh Allen is like a superhero at quarterback, but he's also like a super villain at times for the Bills. And it's like that's the one good thing about Brock Purdy is he knows his role. Like he's not going to be – forcing 70-yard bombs into triple coverage just because he's feeling a little machismo um, one day. Like, he's going to throw the out route for 10 yards, or he's going to run the read option with Christian McCaffrey, he's going to do him. It's Kyle Shanahan's fault if we lose most of the time, or, like, the defense or something happens. Like, Josh Allen can literally take the Bills out of the playoffs just because he's feeling a little too bold. And so I'd rather have our situation. Well, you're, you're also in a much easier division. and con- Your biggest concern is the Eagles, and that would happen in the conference championship game, whereas the Bills have to deal with Miami, have to deal with Cincinnati, have to deal with a tough division with mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. Mike Tomlin's always going to be prepared for them. Uh, Lamar in their division. The Browns' defense looks good. All those factors go into play with right. Buffalo. So I agree. I'd much rather be the 49ers. In the- Jared, let me ask you this question before we, we wrap everything up. Sergio just mentioned Lamar Jackson. I know you were concerned about – the Ravens offense over the first couple of weeks. They didn't seem like they were clicking all the way. And then they lose to Indianapolis. You 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 know you pick Buff you know pick Baltimore to make some noise this season. Are you concerned uh, at all about how they've looked I mean they're they they're two and one, but they're not really the most convincing two and one. No, it's it's bad. And I'm not saying bad as in like they're not winning football games. It's just bad that Right now, they have, like, the offensive line is just, like, horrible because they're missing their two best offensive linemen in Linderbaum and Staley. You're talking about, like, just two guys. And then then think about all the injuries they just deal with. Justin Hill got down. Odafo Owe went down. Uh, Jake and Dobbs off for the season. I think Marlon Humphreys just went down. Like, they, they have, like, one of the longest injury reports that I've seen in a while. And this is just a team that you're just, like – yeah, they lose. They lost to the Colts, where I think that pass interference should have been thrown. I'm gonna be realistic. I think that pass interference should have been thrown, and then they probably win that game, but it wasn't. So that's why they lost. But they're they're trying, but there's no offense because right now Lamar can't throw the way he wants to throw because that O line is just getting so beat up. Where yeah, he's still mobile. He's still a very mobile quarterback, which is one of the reasons why we love him so much. But now with these heightened weapons on the receiving end. You wish that the O-line could just hold it together just for a little bit because he has guys that are open. He just can't make the throw to them. And you can see that potentially that through his progression, he's seeing these guys get open. But the pocket collapses just as soon. Just as soon as he probably sees the read, pocket collapses, he's now got to move. And that's it's only going to get worse unless these guys get healthy and come back. And you just don't know any timetables on a lot of these players except if you just like me to just update the injury report and say, oh, Oh no, Linder, Linderbaum's still out with the ankle. Right. Oh, no, nah. Ronnie Staley's still out with the knee. So then, and then Odell's also out now too. But like, you, as, as soon as you update the injury, pre, like these guys are out, it's going to be a shaky day for the Ravens' offense. Mm. So I, I don't know how you can really correct that at this point in time. That again, you, if you're a Ravens fan, you're happy for the wins. If you're an outside looking in like me, you're just like, when does this start to really? Like, it was that Colts game, the inevitable, right? Was this the inevitable where you start to see like, okay? Teams are starting to figure out. Yeah, okay, we'll let Lamar run. We'll let Lamar do his thing with the run. Mm-hmm. But now let's 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 give these wide receivers some edge. 
and then force the pocket to collapse every time because that's what they started to do. Instead of just instead of trying to control the box as much as they wanted to, they're going to this zone soft coverage and boom. Like we saw Nelson Aguilar drop a couple passes they should have caught. Typical. No much offense to him, typical. And then we saw Zay Flowers, the deep routes is what you need from him, couldn't get him because Lamar can't wait two seconds anymore because they're blitzing and the pocket's collapsing. And then Mark Andrews is back, but he got a block. Like they're literally throwing Mark Andrews on the block. Like they, he's got a block right now because of the fact is unless it's a red zone target, we can't utilize Usmi West downfield because we need this extra blocker. So it's it, the Ravens' schedule is not even it's not getting any easier. So I just hope the Coles game wasn't an outlier of what's to come. Yeah, and and people call me a hater, but you just threw a uh, just straight at Nelson Aguilar for no reason. That wasn't hate. It's a fact. I mean, the, the biggest stray of his right. career was the guy talking about catching babies. Like, that's the biggest stray of your lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, Chris. You, you know he's a hater. When you call him out for being a hater, he goes, nah, that's not being a hater. That's yeah, a fact. That's, 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 one my, that's one of my that's favorite lines, and he calls me a hater all the time. Bro, well, the biggest haters were the guy really just said we was catching babies like Nelson Aguilar. That's a hater. Like, me to say he dropped a couple passes, which at crucial games you don't drop. Like, this is crucial times. I saw this Aguilar cook that game, and then the last, like, two series disappeared. It's not, again, pressure-wise, it came to him because, again, you look at the receiving court, they just, they ran out with Odell Hurt. Nelson Aguilar, Zay Flowers, Rashad Bateman, but Rashad Bateman is just not seeing the snaps as much as you want to see him if you're a Rashad Bateman fan. That's just like it's it's right now. The Colts are like, oh, they making it easy for us. They they're working harder themselves instead of making the game come to them. They making it easier for they made it easier for the Colts. And then, then right now, that's what the Ravens. That's a lot of the Ravens games. Like if you think about it, right right now their next four games is Browns, Steelers, Titans, Lions. Three of them games they could potentially lose. We Two know, of them they can actually win. We know what team that they are going to beat, which is the Tennessee Titans. I'm just putting it out there. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> but, but so, one, more thing I I wanna, one more thing I want to ask before we wrap it up and move to some predictions. We talked about, you know, outside looking in about the, the three, you know, undefeated teams. Jared, I'll start with you. Name a team that people aren't talking about that you've kind of, you have on your radar, maybe under the radar, that that might be a sneaky wild card, you know, make some noise playoff team that people aren't really talking about. Team, sneaky team, wild cards under the radar. And if anybody else has a a team that they kind of popped in their head, feel free to jump in. Under the like, like, like we're just not talking about at all. People, like, real, people, real, like, people, slept on. you know, like the national media is so you know, aren't really talking about them. And about go ahead, Bourbon. the Tampa, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, their division's terrible, and Baker Mayfield is like average enough to where like they could win their division and they'll probably win like eight games, nine games, and they'll make the playoffs. Um, but if you look at their division right now, the Falcons are in first place, and Desmond Ritter is like a year away from forever holding a clipboard um <laughs> bryce young is like five two um i love short kings but he's just he's a year away from being relevant in the nfl and then you got the saints and Derek carr is just is what he is like i don't think and, they're ever gonna do anything has so a shoulder i think the Tampa bay Bucks. Derek carr who just had a shoulder yeah, yeah exactly that's so that's famous james's job at least for the time being go ahead sergio and you never know Famous James is good for 30 picks. So 
Baker Mayfield hey, can hey. mediocre his way to the playoffs. <laughs> thirty for thirty. Let's eat the dub. Um, my team is my team's the Packers. Jordan Love. Are we forgetting that Jordan Love in like literally just led a seventeen point comeback at home and was looking good doing it? Like it doesn't always work out, right? The whole let's draft this quarterback with upside, let him sit behind a Hall of Famer for two three years, and then he'll be really good. Well, it worked out again for the Packers. They've gone from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, and Jordan Love is not on their level as of right now, obviously. But Jordan Love looks good, man. And when you look at that division, it's them and the Lions. And then the Vikings, because they just shoot themselves in the foot all the time, started off 0-3. It's going to be hard for them to climb out of the hole. And then, you know, the Packers, I mean, the Packers, the Bears are going to get relegated to, you know, the Big Ten after the season ends because they're that bad. So it doesn't really matter what what, <laughs> what they do at some point. I think the Packers are a team that we need to start looking out for in terms of maybe hosting a playoff game come wintertime. And maybe because they win the division and get to host a playoff game, they beat a team that maybe they shouldn't. And Jordan Love kind of gets a little bit more hype than I don't want to say he deserves, because if you can win a home playoff game in your first season and lead them there and all that stuff, maybe you deserve the praise. You know what I mean? But that's the team that I'm looking out for um, as a kind of a quote unquote sleeper pick. But if the question was the team that the national media isn't talking enough about, the answer is the Miami Dolphins, because I had to listen to a bunch of Dallas Cowboys conversations all day, Monday and Tuesday after the Dolphins dropped 70. And when they did talk about the Dolphin game, they said, are the Broncos this bad? And it's like, my man, we just dropped 70. You're not going to talk about us after we dropped 70? 70. Ah, anyway. 70-0. Should McDaniel have went for the record? Yes. Yes. As a fan, yes. If I was in the locker room, no, because I because and I can't speak from experience because I don't know if y'all know this, but I've never played in the NFL. Um, but apparently within the NFL fraternity and stuff, it's like you ain't gotta you didn't gotta embarrass him like that. You know what I mean? But as a fan, there were fans in the stands going booing when he decided to kneel it, and Tyreek turned around and went, What more do y'all want? And there's a fan that yelled back, he goes, the scoring record. Yeah. That's what we wanted. I mean, fan wise, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know about the NFL, but right. I'd would have wanted to see league. that. I'd would have wanted it. The fan would have loved it. Because like I think it. you're just breaking history for a, t- a franchise that's been wanting this. Like Sergio speaks I, I'm not saying he speaks for the whole franchise, but if you're somebody that's listening as a Dolphins fan, this is what you want. Like this is what you've been wanting yeah, for man. years. So yeah, I would have yeah. gone for it. Chris, my team I think is gonna be the Steelers. Nobody's talking about them because again, uh, they haven't really been much of late. They still probably aren't much of late, but they're two and one. Mike Tomlin's never had a lose record in the NFL. I don't see him having one this season as well. But if they keep playing the way they're playing, it's just consistent football. It's not like it's horrible. It's not like it's it's like the best. It's just down and dirty, grit and grind football. The defense makes the plays they need, right. and the offense wins one or two of their four series. Right. 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 If they keep doing that, well, why why can't they make a, a wild card spot in the playoffs? Because everybody else in the AFC right now is questionable in my eyes. Okay, that's that's a fair point. That's definitely a fair point. So now we're going to move on to predictions, gentlemen. For the interest of time, I'll give each one of you a game. I will try not to give you a game that you have obvious rooting interest in. So, Sergio, you get no Dolphins games. Borba, you get no Niners games. Jared, you get no Eagles games. So that means you get the Eagles game? That's fine. No, we're still, I'll, still I'll, taking. We still take the Eagles. I will. I will stay out of making predictions. I will save that for you guys this week. And our guest Sergio will start with you because we're going to go, you know, clockwise. That's crazy. You staying out? I feel like that's crazy. You staying out of making on my screen. 
That's crazy. You, you ducking I'm, me, yo. I'm you, 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 you ducking. No, you ducking after right. that Titans okay. play. You, you really ducking it. Like, that's crazy. All, okay, okay, fine. Jared, if there's a game that I disagree with you, I will mention it. Because, oh, I just said it. Because I'm the Titans, once again, embarrassed me and made me look foolish. <laughs> Last time I ever put my faith in the Tennessee Titans. But you talked about Jordan Love. Sergio, I'll start with you. Jordan Love at home Thursday night on a short week against Detroit Lions. Back at the scene of the crime for Detroit. Can they go back into Lambeau and win again? So if if not for Dolphins Bills, I think this is the game of the week. And thank God that the Thursday night game this week is like a good one because we've we've had some stinkers over the past few years, Thursdays. Um, this is tough, man, because it, it all depends on how the Lions utilize Jameer Gibbs. Okay. Jameer Gibbs is an X factor, right? Jared knows from Alabama, right? So he he can do a bunch of different things. But I feel like it's it's an issue of you have a Ferrari, but you don't know how to drive a sports car. It's I don't know if they fully grasp what they have with him. And for that reason, it's a road game. It's a prime time. I do think that the Jordan Love confidence from that comeback is going to be massive. I'm going to take the Packers in this one, but I do think it's a close game. Chris, do you know what the line on this game is? I know we're not picking against the spread, but I I, I do think the Packers will win straight up money line. But, you know, if someone was to maybe allegedly think about potentially putting some money on this game in states where it's legal, of course, wink, wink. Uh, you know, what would the line be? Because if it's within four points, it might be a little intriguing. So what do you, what do you got? Uh, Detroit, Chris? one and a half point favorites on the road. Uh, money line favorites, obviously, minus 124. The over under for that game, 45 and a half. Okay. Um, so you mean to tell me the Packers are one and a half home dogs? Yes, sir. Smashing that one right there, personally, allegedly. That would be my alleged advice. But I do think the Packers went straight right. up. Um, even though I do think that the uh, the Lions are a really good team, and I'm excited for when these two teams meet up later down the line towards the end of the season because it's going to be it's a good be game. a good game. Borba, I'll give you our next game in London, 9:30 a.m. Eastern start time. Atlanta travels to London to play the home team, quote unquote, Jacksonville Jaguars at Wembley Stadium. Borba, who you got? A game I will not be waking up at 6.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for. Um, I'm going with the Jaguars. I think they have, they've looked rough, but I feel like the Falcons just aren't a good team. So um, I feel like their 2 on one record is very misleading. Um, the Jags got that three-point home favorite uh, line. And we need a Trevor Lawrence signature game. I feel like I was, I was pretty bullish on Trevor Lawrence last year. I was putting him in the top like 10-ish, top 5-ish discussion. And now I feel like, He's kind of, I won't say regress, but the team's just not where I thought they'd be. Yeah. So I'm going to go with the Jets. Did not have a great show against Houston. Did not have a great show. I have a quick question about Atlanta. Yes. Um, at what point do we send the Fulton County Detective's Office that's in charge of the RICO cases to Arthur Smith's house? Because um, I would like to know how you have Kyle Pitts on your roster and you just decide to forget that he exists. The- um, I, I can, I, we need a federal investigation. I, uh, I don't know how we can pin Rico on him, but I'd love to see that I happen. I can answer this question for um, you, sir. They, they please, have Desmond please. Ritter at quarterback. 
Fair point. You know what? Usually I would push back on that, but you're right. Because because if you look, I've looked, I've watched Falcons games, okay? They run first, run second, run third. They'll run on fourth. If there was a fifth down, they'd run on that too. They do not trust. Hey, but wouldn't you if you had B. John Robinson? Yes, but also wouldn't you if you had Desmond Ritter? Like, wouldn't you run a play action if you had Pitts though? Would you throw the ball if you had Desmond Ritter? That means he has to. Okay, right, yeah. <laughs> he does come back. Ball right. has to be thrown right. by Desmond Ritter. Because here's here's right, the thing right. about every let me, let me here's jump, the thing bro. about every quarterback. They have Taylor Heineke sitting there right there. I don't. Oh think, man. Here's the thing about Heineke is I don't think you want to break that glass. It's the kind of the same thing I see with the Zach Wilson thing. You don't want to make a change because if you need to, if you point. need to go back to him, you've already made his confidence that much worse. You don't need to throw Heineke out there to win. They can win with Ritter. They can win in spite of Ritter if they treat Ritter the same way they treat a a real game manager. Don't go lose us this game. I just want them to lose out so they can get Caleb I want Williams. Because Caleb Williams. I want them to win because I have them as my NFC South division winner, by the way. There you are. Ah, okay. There's some fan duel action there, in there. There's some you. alleged fan duel action on there. Uh, Jared, I'll give you the next game. Let me know if you want the line or not. Miami travels to Buffalo to take on the Bills in Buffalo. Jared, who do you have? Yeah, let me get the – it's in Buffalo? Si, senor. Mm. Why are you overthinking this? Because I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. Recency bias would make a lot of people pick the Dolphins, but you guys just had a crazy 70-point win, a 50-point blowout. If we're being realistic in terms of just any sports program that, or any sport in general, once you have a ball like that, you typically lose the next game. Like it's just that's you just know, you're, you're right. We will, we will regress. We will regress. We'll, instead of dropping seventy, we'll drop forty. How about that? No if, way. Hold just hold because on, he said hold that. Hold on, hold on. If Miami drops forty next week, Sergio, we need you back on the. We need you back on the pod. That'd be cool. with that's, pleasure. That's a revolutionary offense, especially depending on what Jared's about to pick. I want to know what Jared's about to pick. All right, no, Jared. because you said that, I'm, I'm, I'm taking. I'm definitely taking the Bills now because he said that. Are you taking? Are you taking them to cover the three? The Dolphins cover three and a half. No, no, no. Are, well, are you taking Buffalo to cover the three? It's three, not three and a half. No half point. No hook. Three. Hey, it's just three. As of right uh, now. As yeah, they can win by field goal. I see them winning. You know what's wild? You know what's wild too. The line opened at Buffalo minus two and a half. Mm-hmm. So the Dolphins mm-hmm. dropped 70, and they were like, you know what? Only a half. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, only a half is I, I, will, I will say this. I will ask Sergio this one question. The over-under is 53 and a half. What do you think? What do you think? Is that a good assessment? That's that's like realistically, my Dolphin fandom right. out of it. That is a good number to set the over under at because I do think that Josh Allen is a is back to what he the good okay. Josh Allen that we know. And traditionally, especially the past couple of years, all four of the Dolphin Bills games have been fantastic in these past right. two years. Uh, five because we had the playoff game as well. They've been really good games and they've all been in the twenty eight to thirty three range. So I would take the under on that unbiasedly. They've all been. 35, 32, 31, 28. They've been in that range. So 52 and a half, you said? 53 and a half. 53? I, I like that. I, I think these teams can combine for 60. Okay. So, right. yeah, I think that's that's a good point. Sergio? You know, because 40, 40 to 20 means 60. A Dolphin <laughs> win. See, that's just like that's Sergio, I'm going to stay with you. Pittsburgh travels down to Houston to take on the Texans. Who you got? 
I got Pittsburgh. I like the way that Tomlin's got that team going, but I will say CJ Stroud's been looking good, man. CJ Stroud's been looking gotta, really good. So, but I do I have Pittsburgh. It. Just pump, a better pump your brakes. Pump your brakes. Don't forget he is a quarterback from Ohio State. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Barbara, I'll go to you. The LA Rams travel to Indianapolis. Take on the Colts. Who do you got? Yeah. I like I like the Rams. Um, I think they kind of are an underrated team. And I like Puka Nakua. Dude's just a great story. Is he the best receiver I've ever seen in my life? Maybe. I don't know. It's only been three weeks, but I love him. He has a great name, and Tutu Atwell is not far behind him with great names. And then I just don't know what to expect with the Colts. Like, is Anthony Richardson going to play? Is Gardner Minshew going to play? Even if he does play, do I trust Gardner? Sometimes no. Sometimes yes. And then Anthony, if he does play, he's a rookie, and you never trust rookies. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of guys you never trust, Jared, the Vikings travel to Carolina to take on the Panthers. Who you got? The Vikings. Honestly, it's like if Andy Dalton's playing, I, I, I don't have Andy Dalton winning the game. I mean, they, they kind of need the win, right? Like it's got to be now, right? Yeah, got to be. Yeah, like, no, if they don't, like we're we're talking, we're talking, blow it up. I've already said you got to get rid of Cousins because at this point, like we've seen enough. But no, they have to win this game. It's the the Panthers team just right now. Again, they did just have a good game, but they're not doing much. Like the Vikings should beat them. <laughs> Every time you want to trust the Vikings, they always let you know. Is it a primetime game? That's the question. No, it's not. No, they okay, should so win. then so then they should win. So, it's a one o'clock. That's usually my you know the checklist. Uh, Sergio Tampa Bay travels to New Orleans to take on the Saints. Who you got? This is tough. Um, Jameis Winston revenge game possibilities here because you know former team. All that I don't stuff. know if Carr is is out for sure. I. I we don't know. I was reading a Schefter report that said Schefter would be surprised if he played. So I'm leaning towards seeing Jameis Winston because mm-hmm. Schefter usually doesn't say those things unless he has some insider info. Regardless, even though I did witness Tampa Bay get blown, I don't want to say blown out, but like it wasn't pretty, especially in the second half against your Philadelphia Eagles, both of you boys. Um, I do like Tampa Bay in there. I think um, what Borba said was true in terms of, you know, having being that kind of sleeper team. And and again, like this division is the worst in football right now. And somebody's got to stand out from the pack. I think that the the Bucks are, are going to stand out. And I would take I would take the Bucks just given the consistency. And look, Baker, I, I loved him in college. Mm-hmm. NFL Baker's a different person than Oklahoma Baker, but I still think he's good enough. And, you know, the weapons around them. Mike Evans is playing really well this year. Godwin is playing really well this year still, despite having Baker at quarterback. So um, I'll, I'll take uh, I'll take the Bucks. Jared, I'll give you this game. Denver travels to Chicago to take on Justin Fields and your Bears. Who you got? Well, since they're my Bears, give me the Bears because I don't see the Broncos winning that game. Honestly, it's, is this the fir- is this the first ever zero zero tie in NFL history? No, because Justin Fields is going to score in that game, and so is Russ. At least they're both going to score once, and then it's going to be a ten seven game. Bears favor. Oh, okay, Disgusting. just I just want to put this out here, Jared. This is the game we disagree on. This is the you game. have the board. All right, say less. I've already told you before, Broncos, Chris. Here's hear me out. The Broncos are in a similar situation as Minnesota. They have to win this game. Chicago. Uh, you know, I don't think a lot of people expected too much of them. They would have been surprised. They would have been happy if Fields took that leap, but I don't see it. 
You know, I don't see the improvement. I don't see the, the, the superstar of Justin Fields. He's a great athlete, but he's not a great quarterback. Like, he's one of those guys that you described to Alabama, uh, the guy Milrow. Great athlete, cannot make these plays in, at the NFL level. Well, Justin Fields throws better than him, and play calling, I think, has a perspective on the oh, yeah. Bears. Play calling again, also. Head coaches, again, like Nick Saban, Eberfus. That says enough as it is, but also, listen, I've told okay, you hold on, before. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't ever compare Matt Eberfus to Nick Saban. It's not a comparison. It's just there are two different names of don't style. Even, don't even put the There's name. A, goat, a goat coach. Don't even put their names next to each other. Don't even do it. Yeah. I, I get the point you were trying to make, Jared, but you wild. Wait, this, this is a fact, no though. You trash. You got a trash coach. I, I know what coach. you were trying to say, but I'm with Chris on that. You cannot put him in the same then let sentence. Me change the, Nicholas well, let me change the narrative. Let me, let me change the narrative then. If you have the last name Wilson in the NFL and you're a quarterback, it's time to pack it up. Yeah, you watch. It's time to retire. It's over. Honestly, for he's it, doing too much for someone who got Sierra bagged at home. That's what honestly, that's what hey, let me be fair. I'm not even just talking about Russ. Zach Wilson could go too. It's time to put the bags up. You made some good money the past couple years as a rookie. It's time to go home. The accounting job's waiting for you because it's over. It's time to retire. There's there's no saving these guys. Like it was, let's stop sugarcoating. There's no saving them. They've had chance after chance. You just got Sean Payton as a head coach, and you still look like trash. Let me ask you a question. Hold on, hold on. let me ask you a question. You flip Russell Wilson and Zach Wilson right now. Are the Jets still relevant? Are the Jets still the Jets win the the Jets beat the Patriots? Do they win? Do do they make the playoffs? Yes. Mm, hold on. They make the wild card. Is wild card considered playoffs? Yes. Yes, they make the, the playoffs. wild card. Is considered playoffs. I don't think they make the playoffs, but they're definitely like in the discussion in the last they're, week of the year. They're, definitely they're a, a step up. I think. I think more of it is Denver's Denver stinks around Russell Wilson. And it makes Russell Wilson right. stink and look, look worse. worse. I think it's right. more of a this team is not ready yet. I think this team would be ready next year if they had the right pieces. But they don't have any they have no right. line. Right. They have no defensive line. So they lose the trenches every play. Well, whose fault is that? They traded the defensive line away. Like that's their fault as an organization. I'm not but but we, the, uh, the we agree. But we yeah, agree. we agree. I agree with you. But it makes Russell Wilson and Sean Payton look that much worse because this team is garbage. Like, this team stinks. Yeah, Russ Russ is... We all know Russ is washed, but even a washed Russ in New York with the Jets is better than um, Zach Wilson right now with what whatever it is that they're deciding that they're putting out on the Jared, what's the... The Broncos are worse with Zach Wilson. They're already bad. What's the NBA comparison of Russell Wilson with the Broncos? The NBA comparison of Russell Wilson with the Broncos? Mm Mm-hmm. Again, are we think we are we saying like the the Broncos is like a bad football team like top no, to bottom? I, I, like, I'm, not, I'm not asking context. I said, what's the NBA comparison of Russell Wilson with the Broncos? It's really easy. Right. It's right, really so easy. We got it's the same name. It's Russ on the Lakers. No, no. It, what? It's it's they, not Russ on the Lakers. No, they made the no, playoffs no. though. You, that's why I said no. That's why they made the playoffs. Like, that team makes you the know playoffs. why they made the playoffs? You know why they made the playoffs? Let me, let me answer this question. Because they made they traded Russell Wilson. Listen, no, I mean Russell Westbrook. <laughs> no, listen. It's it's putting Terry Rozier on the Hornets. 
It's like you thought you were doing something, but you didn't do much. No, that's disrespectful to Russell Wilson. No. Terry Rozier was actually yeah. a, a yeah, come player. on. Oh, so we're just naming a champion that I gotta name a champion player. No, but that's not that's not. When it's James Harden on the Sixes, you ain't doing much. That's not okay. No, calm down. Stop. Stop okay, never mind. We tried, Chris. We tried. No, Sergio, Sergio you were kind of right. It's not Russell on the Lakers. It's Russell on the Wizards. <laughs> That's oh, even worse. No, no, Chris, you, Chris, you onto something. That's good. That is a that's a really em- good because there's a lot that's of a empty one. calorie, empty calorie stats. They made the playoffs in the East. If the, <laughs> if, the, if, the, if the Broncos were in the NFC, they'd be in the playoffs too. Are they though? Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, they are. Which is, which is why Chris, which is why Chris thinks the Broncos are going to win, and that's why we just you two disagree. Well, well, no, that's part. No, I think the Broncos are going to win because I have zero, zero faith, less than zero faith in the Chicago Bears. Also, a, a team whose defensive coordinator just had to resign for quote unquote reasons we don't know about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's never good. I don't want to say too much. That's I'm not saying too much on here. It's, it's your pod. I'm not trying. Please, to, you, know, you, can, you can do whatever you no, say. no, 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 no. Don't you say. Don't, no, no, don't say. No, it. no, no, don't no, say no, no, no. I'm good, Chris. I'm good. I'm don't good. say it. I'm good. I will edit it out. Don't say it. <laughs> I dumped. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna mute my mic, Sergio. Don't mute your mic. I got a, I got a game for you. Washington, Washington right. travels to the link to take on the Eagles. Who you got? So before the, all right, I'm just playing. I got all right. the Eagles. Jared, um, say no more. Jared, uh, <laughs> go ahead, Sergio. No, no, no. I was just gonna say before this game, I thought this would be a more competitive game. I still would have taken the Eagles, but after what the Bills just did to to Washington, yeah, this is it's a wrap right here. Jared, I'll give you this game. Baltimore travels to Cleveland, take on the Browns. Who you got? The Browns. Really? Yeah, I got the Browns winning. Really? Yeah. This is another game we disagree on because I have the Ravens. I see. I'm, 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 with, I'm you. Concerned I'm with you, with Jared. I got, I got the Browns too. Now, I would not be surprised if the Browns won because the Browns have a great, a great defensive line. Jim Swartz, who won a Super Bowl with the Eagles in 2017. Miles Garrett looks like, you know, every bit the defensive player of the year candidate player that everyone thought he was. But I still have many questions about that Cleveland offense. Like Deshaun Watson, for as many good plays as he had Sunday, has not had that many good plays since he became a Brown full time. Has not consistently put two games together where they're both good games all the way through. He has not played a clean game. So I think that. A lot of it is prove it for Cleveland, and Baltimore has proved that they can go on the road and win a la Cincinnati. Like they went into Cincinnati and won, so I think Baltimore does it again as the fate or the road dogs. But isn't isn't what you just said the same thing for Lamar? Lamar hasn't had a clean game either. He hasn't put two games together that's like, oh yeah, he looks good. Like the lost the Texan game, he only threw 159 yards, beat the Bengals. Couldn't really throw worth the snuff versus the Colts. Yeah, but he was right out the team. But like, it, yeah, and a lot of those points that you made are correct about his offensive line breaking down quickly and things of that nature. But Lamar, I have more faith in Lamar and the Ravens to figure it out on the road than I do for Cleveland to put two games together where they don't get in their own way. They got in their own way in my on Monday night. They should have beat Pittsburgh even without Chubb at you know after that injury. That's another point. They don't have Chubb. You know, it's only but so much patchwork you can yeah, do. Yeah, but, but Ford, Ford is balling, though. Ford, Ford can, can ball, ball, yes. Ford's legit. A lot, we've seen a lot of these running backs have one or two good games, 
and then they kind of fall back to earth, you know. I'm not saying that Ford is not good. I'm just saying he's not Nick Chubb. And so much of their offense is Nick Chubb. Can Deshaun Watson pick up that slack and be a little bit more reminiscent of Houston Watson? I don't know. So that's why I'm I'm putting – if I put my faith in a team, it's not the Browns. It's the Ravens. Mm. That's just me. Uh, Sergio, I'll go to you. Cincinnati travels to Tennessee. Take on the Titans. Who you got? I mean, if if Derrick Henry gets 15 touches for like 37 yards again, I mean, it's no question here, right? Cincinnati. I, Cincinnati's a better football team for me. It's top to bottom, even with the Burrow calf injury. But Cincinnati, no, yeah, dude, like, the Titans look horrible. And they and Cincinnati needs to get back on it in order to be a contender, like we all think they are. So I think these are the games. I just want to put out a point them. here. This is the thought that went through my head. This is not a endorsement for Tennessee at all. But the last time Tennessee and Cincinnati played, Burrow took a lot of sacks. Burrow got mm-hmm. beat up. If there's a situation where Tennessee is able to tee off again and get Burrow, they can win this game. Will they? I don't know. But Burrow is not the same. I watched that Monday night game. He does not look healthy. He doesn't look the way that and, we know Josh Joe Burrow. And I don't – Correct. like I said, we don't root for injuries. We don't you know, hope for injuries. But I hope for Burrow's sake that he does not take nine sacks or whatever he did in that AFC wildcard game a couple years ago. Because if he's getting hit and beat up, he didn't – he was throwing – you know, he was dumping it, dumping the ball off all game to Chase. He didn't throw the ball down the field. He was not pushing the ball. You can tell that that calf is bothering him. I would be very uh, – you know, I, could Tennessee come out and lose by 24 again? Yeah, they could. But could they make this a, like, super sloppy 16-15 game like they did with New Orleans? The way Cincinnati is playing right now, it's quite possible. But once again, not an endorsement for Tennessee. Jared, the Raiders travel back to L.A. to take on the Chargers. Who you got? The Chargers. They... Again, like the Mike Williams injury, that, that really hurts them. But I think that's why they drafted Quentin Johnson. And I think this is where we're going to start seeing this, the progression of snaps go towards him more. Like I know Joshua Palmer's there, and he's always played his role well. But I think this is where Quentin Johnson starts to see more snaps come his way, which is good because then, like, Keenan's playing out of his mind. Like, a lot of people – like, I even forgot for a second. I'm like, Keenan Allen's getting older, but the dude just had a ball game versus the Vikings. So I think they're going to win their this game fairly confident that they have a – I'm gonna say 14 point margin over the Raiders. That's a that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of points, Jared. You could be a rich man if you if you put your money on that one. I might do it. All right, Sergio. Quickly, we have the New England Patriots traveling to Dallas to take on the Cowboys. Cowboys coming off a, a really tough loss in Arizona. Patriots coming off a win in New in New Jersey. Who you got? tough right um nah listen i i want to what i'm about to say does not mean that i am revoking i'm turning in my you know hater conference of america card i am still Uh-oh. a proud card member. i know who he's picking I, I am still a card carrying member of the hater association of america of the specifically the dallas cowboys division 
Um, but I, I think I do have to pick the Dallas Cowboys for this game. And it's because I don't trust Mac Jones to deliver at such a high profile. Listen, we make fun of the Cowboys because they are overrated and they are talked about way too much than they are relevant to their skill and results have given them uh, the results that they have produced. But I do think that it is you can can't question that it is a big stage. And I just don't think that Mac Jones is the quarterback that can go into Dallas after Dallas embarrassed themselves, which was chef's kiss, beautiful to see. Uh, but after they embarrass themselves, they're back home. We do make fun of the Cowboys, but the defense, even without, you know, Diggs, is still, if not number one, definitely top three defensive units in the league. So uh, I think they are going to make, I think Micah Parsons specifically is going to make Mac Jones' life hell. So for that reason, I will begrudgingly have to be picking the Cowboys. You know what, Chris? We can't make fun of them when they lose in the playoffs every year if they don't get there. And these are the games they got to win to get there. So I'm not, you know, I'm just laying the seeds, yeah. the foundations I, for the better I, hater. I, I, def- I definitely you know understand I mean? that. You know, it's kind of, it's, it's a, it's a long plan. You know, it's Rome exactly. Exactly. We got to be smart about it. You know, we got to be smart. Jared, the Niners host Arizona as 14 point home favorites. Jared, do the Cardinals have enough to uh, cover? No. <laughs> not to win. Will they cover? What's the spread? 14. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can see them losing like 24 to 10. I mean, 24 14. Or let's say like 27 17. I can see them losing by 10. I don't see them losing more than 10. If we're like to say they cover the spread, yeah, sure. But the 49ers winning that game, guaranteed. All right. Sergio, for you, Chiefs travel to MetLife to take on the Jets. Who you got? Are you seriously asking me? All right. Uh, Seattle travels to MetLife to take on the Giants. I am currently currently looking in another tab at Travis Kelsey jerseys on eBay because my girlfriend says that she would like us to be Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey for Halloween, a Halloween party that we got. So... I think that's going to be indicative as to who I'm picking in that game. If if it wasn't, I got a question. So when she dresses as yeah. Kelsey, does she have like shoulder pads she can wear? Or oh, that was that's cute. Thanks. That's cute. You thought you thought you I, did something there? <laughs> you wanted me to laugh? Is that what it was? Oh, that was good, Chris. I appreciate Thank it. You. Okay. Yeah. See, this is why you are. You know, we're co-presidents of you the Haters Association. You got to be able to exactly. throw those in. I, exactly. I see you. Thank you. Game recognized game. I, I see game you. recognized game. I appreciate that. Jared, I'll give you the last game, the Monday night game, Seattle, traveling to MetLife to take on the Giants, who you got. Seattle, and just shout out, this is going to be, I think, Jamal Adams' first game back from injury. If if the reports are accurate and that he's he's on, he's progressed well, he should be back, that's going to be huge for Seattle. Like We talked earlier in the pod about the sleeper teams that we think could do something. We could throw Seattle up there, to be honest, if uh, Jamal Adams is fully healthy and ready to go in the next couple of weeks. So I have Seattle win that game. Giants stink. All right, we'll end it on that. Sergio, drop your socials for the people. As always, you guys can follow me on Twitter, X, whatever they call it nowadays, at S-D-E-L-A-E-S. You can listen to my college football takes on Sideline Judgment. On Twitter, we are at SJ underscore podcast. Uh, You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Spotify. Uh, Same places where you can find Straight to the Point Podcast. You can find Sideline Judgment. And uh, you can also find our boy, Kevin Borba, who had to leave out a little bit early. You can find all of his writings over at allcardinal.com. He covers the Stanford Cardinals. 
does a really good job over there running that site. He covers the Colorado Buffaloes for Athlon. You can find him there. Uh, you can find him all over uh, Twitter. And I am going to stall for time uh, because you can find him on Twitter at Kevin underscore Borba. You can find him on Instagram at Kevin underscore Borba. Uh, and you can read all about his articles and stuff there. Uh, shout out, shout it out there. Just trying to make sure I get it in because I know he there has to go. sign you off had... quickly. As Chris shows me the notes that he just right down. You had to go ahead and uh, snot into home. With had to help him there out right go. there. Make sure exactly. you follow Shake to the Point on all your favorite socials. That's at STTP Podcast. Make sure you follow me at underscore Chris Cross. Follow me at underscore Jadup Hughes. Definitely follow the podcast. Follow my TikTok at underscore Jadup215. I am not a fantasy football TikTok. I'm just posting the storyline because I need y'all to understand the pain of what my fantasy teams are going through. But I'm still going to be posting our actual podcast content as well. Just, just, just the pain of what fantasy football is doing to me, I feel like needs to be posted on my TikTok. Shout out to Jared's uh, fantasy football team in our league, the NM Invitational. Uh, finally winning this week. Welcome Let's go. I got a dub. Welcome to the dub club, sir. You know, kicker score points too, guys. Kicker score points too. Points too. Uh, make sure you check out Hemi76's lock of the week. A winner last week, he had New England covering the two and a half spread. At MetLife, and you know, thank God that Hell Mary got dropped, or he would have been 0 3 to start the season. But we have me too. <laughs> I had a, I may or may not have had New England, I may may or may not have had that tied in with a few uh parlays. Yes. So, yes. Woo. shout out to the, the, the bookies, we appreciate you. Yes, mm-hmm. I, I do want to say on the pod before we you go ahead and sign off the Dolphins play the Eagles at the link Sunday. Uh, October 22nd, there's a strong potential both teams are 6-0 and going into that game. I would love it to be back on the pod after that game, regardless of okay. who wins, but I am putting it out there. This may be a Super Bowl preview. Want to want to go ahead and uh, shout that one out and want to want to wish all the Philadelphia Eagles fans listening here no ill will. There is never an ill will between Dolphin and Eagles fans, so uh, I support y'all. Please support Tua and support us. <laughs> please do not throw anything at Tua. Please, please. J- please Jalen Carter, don't kill my man. <laughs> see Jordan Davis wrap up Rashad White on Monday Night Football. Look oh, like a look oh like a, a kid running into his father's arms. That's, that was ridiculous. Insanity, All right, man. Jared. Anything else before we wrap it up? No, man. Let's get straight to the point. Oh wait, one last thing. We've got a special guest on the show next week as well. Tune in for that. Big things to come. Go Eagles. Wait, what? Yeah, breaking news. I got us a special guest next week as well, making oh. money moves. Oh. Listen, I can't name drop the our guest. Just know when he gets on, I need the content to be flowing. All right. Y'all heard it. I don't even know it. This is legitimate. I don't – sir, you can check me. I, I have no idea. Chris's face when Jared said that, I'm – you know, I would love to be a, a fly on the wall of the pre-show meetings because <laughs> how are you holding that till the hour this, and 40 minutes? This must just cleared. This must have just everybody yeah. know, he got the text oh, two no. minutes ago. He everybody know Jared can't hold no water. He must have just found out. Well, I am a great source. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, Jared. <laughs> I went to I went to grad school with you. I know. Uh huh. Okay. Bro, I, don't, sure. I don't give him no. Sure. I, don't, I don't give him no tea. I just keep things to myself. Chris, you better you better wrap this up before he says something. Jared, Jared, wrap it up. 
Deus abençoe. Deus abençoe.